It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs, and I'm thrilled that you're tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the last few weeks of our study here as we've been continuing in this theme of eschatology, the study of end days. We've been using the book of Revelation as sort of a roadmap through this. Even though there are 18 prophetic books in the Bible, we did spend about two years going through the study of the book of Revelation. And so what we've been doing here is just taking some of the topical themes throughout the book of Revelation that are applicable today As we're looking to the headlines, we're seeing these headlines, we're wondering, does that fit into Bible prophecy? And we always have to be very careful about that. That is something that has been quite common to do even since I can remember back in the 1980s when books were coming out by the droves, even the late great planet Earth, amongst many others, set the trumpet to thy lips, all interesting books. And of course, after 1984 came out, uh, many of us have had and made those mistakes of saying, wow, this headline must be, this must be the moment, this must be the day, the seven years are about to begin, look at the headline. And what we find time and time again is that we are put into a humble position here is is that perhaps uh, we didn't read that headline correctly, or they were a building block to what was forthcoming. And so we always have to be very cautious when we talk about eschatology, and especially as we examine the days, the seasons, the times, and we're mindful of what's going on around us. The reason we put our attention on these things is that we, as the bride of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, have to be ready with our lanterns full, looking for his return, and not consumed with the moment of his return, but being consumed with the work we are to be doing before his return. I think that for me, especially as we study in times, we are are just perhaps put into a posture of readiness and excitement that what we are seeing was foretold for thousands of years. This is actively demonstrating a God who is in the details, who everything has been perfectly orchestrated just as he told us these things would occur. And as we saw the 355 prophecies of Jesus Christ come to pass and all the now more than a thousand additional prophecies of his second coming, we know that if the Bible was precise on those, it will be precise on what is forthcoming as well. It gives us great confidence in his holy word. So as we've gone through this study of eschatology, the last couple weeks, we really hit on some hot topics Uh, such as the Antichrist, the false prophet. Last week, we covered a little bit more about uh, even some of the nations today like Turkey and Saudi Arabia and Iran, how they've been making headlines as of late, and and their role in end-time prophecy, that the Bible's very specific in some regard to these countries. So as we've gone through this study together, to help me do that here in the studio, as you have just come to know and appreciate his insights, Dr. Steve Ford. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth, my friend. Thank you, John. I just want to say amen to everything you just said. <laughs> that was such a great intro. And it's so it just fills me with enthusiasm about what we're going to talk about today mm. as we continue this discussion of end times prophecy and, and countries and what we're seeing in the headlines. And it, it just makes you excited for the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, oh, as amen. we look at these things. Where we had left off last time, we talked a little bit about Saudi Arabia 
One aspect of that is the friction between Iran and its allies, allies, I should say, in Saudi Arabia. What can you tell us about that? Well, yeah, let's uh, uh, recap just for a moment. We, we spent a little time as well talking about Turkey uh, and all the clues that seem to point to a revived Ottoman Empire. This is a huge paradigm shift. I mean, really, for all of us who have grown up studying in times and, and really churches far and wide have spent a lot of time in the book of Revelation. Uh, you know, we've, we've picked up perhaps the Left Behind series, yeah. maybe seen a number of videos and, and movies just keep coming out uh, on this subject matter. So we, we have a set paradigm. And we don't realize that we do. And and we've tried to challenge that paradigm a little bit of, is it only one rapture? Is there a rapture at all? I mean, we've tried to cover some of these things because we've heard the narrative over and over again. And then we read the Bible into that narrative, right? right? So so we get a a different perspective when we just simply go back and read it for what it says. And sometimes we then find ourselves questioning that narrative. Well, wait a minute. What about this? What about this text? So we've had some fun studying that. And I think that that paradigm has to just be opened a little bit because for years we just talked about this revived Roman Empire, the role of Catholicism in that. Now, we've all had our perceptions of that perhaps. And yet what we've now challenged the listener with is, well, what if, what if what we're actually reading here, because we're talking about the nations around Israel this seemingly uh, continuous war between Ishmael and Isaac and their tribes and how it all revolves around Israel. Uh, what if what we're not seeing is really the revived Ottoman Empire or the the Roman Empire, but the Ottoman Empire, right? right? So it, when you look at the revived Ottoman Empire that fell in 1918, not all that long ago, I mean, a century in the scope yeah. of eternity, sure. <laughs> not that long yeah. ago, uh, that that particular nation had what embodied the colors, the weaponry, uh, the unity or seeming unity throughout the Middle East against Israel, against the the tribes of of you know Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and with the twelve tribes of Israel that would follow thereafter. That um, seems to be this hostility that's been ever going since Ishmael and Isaac, right? right. Uh, and, and when you go back to that and you see the Assyrian king of the north and everything he embodied. And you just simply read it for what it says. What we're really talking about here is a nation that seems to be built up out of the fragments of what was the Roman Empire, and the Ottoman Empire fits that bill. I mean, they they just seem to match that. And the Ottoman Empire was led by modern-day Turkey, which is where we began our journey, our right. journey through the book of Revelation, Revelation right. chapter 2 and 3. That's all in Turkey. It's where we, we find our name as Christians out of Turkey. It's been a battleground for Christians and Muslims for many years, all the way up through the Crusades and beyond. Turkey is the crossroads of this. It is the bridge between Gog and Magog and and the United Nations and this rebirth of of a unity or the image of peace in the Middle East. I mean, they, they play a significant role. And we see, as we talked about last week, their role in the headlines with the, the Ukraine and Russia and, and Germany even, and that role that that alliance have had with Germany all these years. So please keep your eye, listener, keep your eye on Turkey. Um, in Psalm 83, we talked about uh, the, these nations that were united against Israel and Turkey being one of them and Jordan, Lebanon, Gaza, West Bank, Egypt, Syria, Iraq, and the kingdom of Saudi Arabia with Iran. And we do see some of that in Ezekiel 38. Many of these countries highlighted throughout the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 14, 15, 17, 18, 19, 21. I mean, each one of these nations are covered in specificity there. But today's topic is we now look at the role of Saudi Arabia and Iran in this. 
uh, again, they're specifically highlighted there. And to your question, let me just get into that for the just a few moments. It's, it's to me, it's really no surprise that Iran is focused on the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. This has been an ongoing issue between the two of them. Uh, we saw that uh, Saudi Arabia has been under attack, even with Yemen, dealing with Yemen and some of the rebels there. And it's it's an interesting alliance if Turkey is working with Iran against Saudi Arabia. It's like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And there's been this constant friction there, and we don't always have our finger on the why. Uh, but it, let me just help you from a biblical standpoint that the 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 Bible predicted that the harlot is destroyed by the beast she rides. And that is the nation she's deceived with her spiritual harlotry. Many will suspect, as I believe, that Islam is a significant role of that. And as we talked about, especially if we believe the rapture will occur, already the numbers by 2050, Islam is the largest religion in the world by 2050. That doesn't even account for the rapture. If you pull the Christian church out of the mix here, of course, it would be the overwhelming largest population of religious people in the world would be of Islam. And Islamic prophecies, it's interesting, state that Mecca will be destroyed because it betrays Allah by giving oil, wine, to the enemies of Islam. And we have quite a partnership with Saudi Arabia. The capital of Islam, this is from their own, their own prophecies, mind you, will become Jerusalem, which seems to align with Daniel chapter 11 and Micah 5. They have had their eye on Jerusalem ever since Abraham. They believe it to be theirs, and according to their own prophecies, they want to make that the center of their worship. And when the Antichrist will move his throne to Jerusalem from Assyria, as they also believe with the Mahdi, the 12th Imam, right? So many suspect that Iran will be the one to destroy Mecca and most of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, according to Zechariah 5.11. Let me read to you some of their own words on this. Yawam al-Gadab Safar Awale, I probably have said his name wrong, that's best I can say it, but he says this, the Mahdi will rule the world from Jerusalem because Mecca will be destroyed. The flourishing state of Jerusalem will be when Medina is in ruins. The ruined state of Medina will be when the great war comes. Interesting. That's from their own words, right? This is not Christians telling them, well, here's what our Bible says. This is their own prophecy. They go on to say that Mecca and Medina, which is Yathrib, are the two most holy sites in Islam today. Yet, strangely, I find this interesting, Islamic eschatology say both will be destroyed. So they're going to say that our two holiest sites are going to be destroyed. This is why we're laying claim to Jerusalem now, why they don't want to release the ownership of the Temple Mount, even though it's technically under Israeli rule and the IDF protect and allow them to be able to worship up there. Let me read you a couple more of their own prophecies, their own words of some of their their religious leaders. Uh, They say that the final battle will be waged by faithful Muslims coming on the backs of horses carrying black banners. They will stand on the east side of the Jordan River and will wage war that the earth has never seen before. The true Messiah, who is the Islamic Mahdi, this is their own words, will defeat Europe, will lead this army, and he will preside over the world from Jerusalem because Mecca will have been destroyed. That's their own words. Here's another one of their spiritual leaders. And, and he is cited in their own written text. He says this, The prophet, peace be upon him, said the flourishing state of Jerusalem will be when Yathrib, which is Medina, is in ruins. 
The ruined state of Yathrib will be when the Great War comes. The outbreak of the Great War will be at the conquest of Constantinople. And the conquest of Constantinople, when the Dajjal, this is who we call the Antichrist, or they call the Antichrist, comes forth. He, the prophet, struck his thigh on his shoulder with his hand and said, This is as true as you are here, or as you are sitting. Meaning he's trying to say that as real as you are right now, this will happen. So their version of the Antichrist is our version of the true Christ who will right. wage war against their Mahdi and the false prophet who they claim is Isa, right. their version of Jesus. It just aligns perfectly side by side as a photo negative of scripture. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. So we asked that question, what is the conquest of Constantinople? What does that mean? We talked about it last week that you have this beast that Daniel sees, this statue, not beast, but a this statue, if anything, of these these toes that are standing on what was the foundation up here of the Roman Empire that are mixed with iron and clay. And so it's the foundation of something with clay. It's, it looks like it's in unity, but it's really not. Could the clay also represent the turba of allegiance to Allah? Constantinople was the capital of Rome. It's now modern-day Istanbul, Turkey, a city on seven hills. Okay, so it's the former seat of the Ottoman Empire and the Assyrian Empire, both out of the same city. And the way of the Antichrist, who's called the Assyrian King of the North in Daniel 11, Isaiah 10, and Micah 5, seem to align with that same idea that out of what once was the capital of Rome will now be the capital of this new empire that comes out of this. So in the end times, both Mecca and Medina will be destroyed according to their own eschatology, and the Mahdi will rule his Islamic empire from Jerusalem. Okay, now that sounds like the act of the Antichrist who breaks treaty three and a half years in to establish his own rule from Jerusalem and call himself a god who this Mahdi will. He'll try to represent Allah as though a god on earth, right? And so who else, like the Antichrist then, who will rule from Jerusalem and try to conquer the world accordingly? We read in scriptures that Babylon will be thrown down at the place of the Arabian desert. Listen to this, Isaiah 13, 19 to 21. And Babylon, the glory of the kingdoms, the beauty of the Chaldeans' pride, will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. It will never be inhabited, nor will it be settled from generation to generation, nor will the Arabian pitch tents there, nor will the shepherds make their sheepfolds there, but wild beasts of the desert will lie there. So the Babylon here is described as a place south south of the desert, by the sea. And it's the same context of Edom and Arabia of Isaiah chapter 29. That doesn't seem to fit the description of the Babylon of the Mesopotamian region that we think of in Iraq, right? right? So this is the harlot that rides the beast who deceives many and seems to be positioned a little further south than Iraq. And the kingdom of Saudi Arabia was included in Psalm 83, but is not listed in the nations that rise against Israel in Ezekiel 38. Where has she gone, right? So this may serve as another clue that the kingdom of Saudi Arabia is removed from its seat of power, left powerless in the wake of Gog and the land of Magog and its allies. And you can read more about that in Jeremiah 50, verses 9 to 10. And so let me wrap it up with this, and then we can move on in some of our dialogue here. But uh, some of the tension between Iran and Saudi Arabia is very interesting. We talked a little bit about that before the show, that when Muhammad came through and conquered Mecca, 
in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia today in 630 AD. He intended to destroy the Kaaba. And that's where they, they base their center of worship of Allah. They'll, they'll wrap themselves, they, they walk around in circles right. around that, and then they worship Allah, the wife of Allah, at the Kaaba stone, the black meteorite that's on its side. There were many idols. In fact, there was one for every day of the year inside of that Kaaba. So it was a place of polytheism even at that time. And it was the worship of Hubal that ultimately he turned into the worship of Allah. And it seemed to circulate around this idea of worshiping the sun and the moon. And you see that imagery even in the Islamic flag today. And so this battle between the Quraysh and Muslims has led to continued tension between the Shiite and Sunnis to this day over the debates of the successor of Muhammad. And, and so it's plausible that all of that tension just continues to escalate as the beast reunites the nations of the former Ottoman Empire. It doesn't necessarily have to be Turkey, but what we're seeing there is the revived Ottoman Empire led by somebody, right? right? It's the same nations. And this would they would call the final caliphate. And it leads up to this final battle with Israel in their version of the Antichrist, the Adajal, who's our real Jesus, right? right? And they're already preparing. You're going to do battle against this one. But in their eschatology, they win. In the biblical eschatology, (laughs) Jesus wins, right? Right. Um, And and it causes thereby this destruction of, of these nations that have risen against Israel that are highlighted there in Isaiah. So in summary... We can take this is that Christians and Muslims alike believe a man will arise who will lead the nations to battle against Jesus in Jerusalem, and in the process, Mecca will be destroyed. The difference, of course, is that the man that they believe who will rise will be the 12th Imam, who they call a god on earth, whom we call the Antichrist, and Jesus will prevail over him and the false prophet. He will be the victor. And so the stage is being set. And we are seeing the headlines unfolding right before our eyes of the tensions continuously building. Yeah. We, we find that throughout the, the, the Persian Gulf, even in the Mediterranean. The terrorism is amplifying. Israel already had more rockets hitting into their right. soil. Yeah. Uh, the tensions are brewing. Mm-hmm. And we, the church, look to this and sometimes we're apathetic. And we get right back into our complacent state where we're supposed to be looking for the signs and saying, Jesus is coming soon, right. folks. Where yeah. are we, the church, with this understanding? Are we just going to simply just go, well, hey, you know, it's just another day. I'm off doing <laughs> right. my thing. Right. Or are we going to be found faithful in the yeah. midst of these times, not disturbed or fearful, but rather motivated to action to say, he said it was happening. It was right. going to happen. And look what's happening in our lifetime. It's amazing, really. Yeah, it really is. And I, I think it's just so important. The Lord gave us these things for a reason. We should be aware. We should be paying attention. We should know our scriptures. Amen. And uh, I think you're doing a great job of helping us put all these things together. Oh, thank um, you. It's, it's interesting because so much of the focus with Iran is on Iran and Israel, not so much Iran and Saudi Arabia. And there's a proxy war right. in Yemen and everything. But uh, at least for myself, I haven't really thought so much about Iran and Saudi Arabia. So this is, this is really enlightening. Yeah. And just helps me see the situation in a whole new light. Yeah, amen, amen. Well, and that, I think that would be the, the hope in all of this is as we look to Scripture and we see these tensions that are brewing in these nations that go by different names today. Right. But have, have been mentioned for some time, have been uh, deeply thorns in the flesh of Israel for quite some time. I mean, we see these battles between brothers, right? Esau and Jacob, yeah. uh, Isaac and Ishmael, and the battle still ensues. Yeah. 
you know, they, they, those, those uh, tribal wars have not gone away. Right. And, you, and many people will then ask the question, where's the United States in all of this, right? Yeah. Because we're, we're residents here. So after right. all, we've, and the United <laughs> States is so powerful. We've got right. our new B-21s coming out. We've got all right. this the military might. And we're doing the laser guns now attached to our battleships and our, our, our fighter right. jets and all these things that we just think, look how strong and powerful we are. Yeah. Where is the United States in the midst of all of this? And as we've talked about it, that when many of the battles uh, ensue, such as the Battle of Armageddon and these nations around Israel mm-hmm. that come against her, uh, you know, by that point, when you go through the trumpet judgments and you start to look at the bold judgments, uh, the rest of the world has got its hands yeah. full. Yeah. And so it's real easy to put our attention uh, to our own problems in the midst of these things. Right. I think our headlines will be reading about all the old, the old, the dilemmas that we are facing in our own backyard and the financial woes yeah. and famines and right. trials and hardships. Israel may be left to fend for herself. Yeah. And, and, and we've that. seen that a time or two. Yeah. And Ezekiel 38, 39 as well, right? Nobody right. comes to Israel's aid. That's right. She's left to fend for herself. Yeah. And, and yet she's not alone, Oh, definitely. right? I mean, the Lord Jesus is going to fight for her. And, of God's eye. That's yeah. right. And, and, and he will descend down on, on that Mount of Olives. He will crack it in two. He yeah. will. Oh, it says that, awesome. he, that those who contend against him as he descends down to the Mount of Olives and comes victoriously into Jerusalem, they will dissolve as they stand. Right. And then the rest of the battlefield will take over six months to clean up, according to Ezekiel, because it'll spread over what about 200 miles then. Yeah. Uh, from north tip to the southern point. And so you just go, this is a, a serious battle that will come, but we've not, we should not be dismayed by that. No, not at all. You know, this, this is a, we knew these days were coming. Yep. And, yep. and the Lord chose for us to be born in this season, exactly. in, the, in the church age of right. the mediatorial kingdom. Right. Yeah. And we get to bear witness of things that those before us had only dreamt of, oh, read about. Right. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. It's like when Jesus tells his disciples the same things, you know, there are prophets who wanted to hear these things. That's right. Know, but weren't able to. And it just, like you and I talked about, it's the story of Esther for just for such a time as this. Yeah. We were born into this era at this time for a, a certain reason, for a certain purpose That's right. uh, that the Lord has for us to fulfill. Amen. Um, so yeah, this has really been wonderful and it's added a lot of clarity. Uh, I think it is good to go back and review Ezekiel 38 and 39 and everything Definitely. that's going on there. Cause there's a lot of detail read them all. there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Go read all 18. Yeah. You know, hold us accountable. <laughs> I mean, a lot of this, you know, you can, you can find yourself going down a particular bunny trail or right. a perspective. So sure. we've been doing that for years. Uh, you know, then we start to uh, eisegesis instead of exegesis. Or, yeah. And we, you know, that, that just happens. I mean, the yeah. we're, we're, naturally eager, curious to, with some zeal. We right. go and read these texts and we think we've got it all figured out. Yep. And I think what we find is that scripture constantly humbles us too. It puts us right back in the position of t- total dependency on the Holy Spirit, Amen. read through it, pray through it. And ultimately you go, well, what do I do with this information now that I have it? And and that's where we can find our the dichotomy of being so caught up in consuming more and more and more information right. and yet find ourselves totally uh, inept in doing the very thing we've been called to do. Right. And so right now we've got neighbors that don't know Jesus. Right. Um, we've got probably family members, friends, and our coworkers yep. right now, as you're right. listening to this, I don't know who you're driving next to. I don't know who you're working <laughs> next to right now. They need Jesus, yes. right? And, and so if anything, this should motivate us with some urgency. The king is coming. Yep. He has expectations of his servants. Well, Are we burying the talent yep. in the soil? Right. Are we putting it to work, yeah. right? We need to be a disciplined people of the Lord Jesus Christ, so disciplined, in fact, in his word, that when trial and adversity comes, and we've talked about the persecuted church, yep. 
that we're not dismayed by right. that at all. Right. We are not in any way questioning the sovereignty of God. Right. We're not thinking that he's gone on vacation, right. uh, that everything is happening exactly as he has foretold that it would happen, and right. we can trust in him. Right, amen. We should, be, we should be surprised if it doesn't happen, because the Lord told us that it would. That's right. So we should be anticipating and once just again, you know, verifying that, that the Lord is, is sovereignty and he's in charge and he knows what's happening and he's in control. When we're persecuted, that's that right. rejoice, rejoice Amen. in persecution. When you're, you know, when you're serving me, when you're preaching the gospel, when you're doing what I told you to do, that's right. How great will your reward be in heaven. Amen. And I think we we need to take advantage of these opportunities just to preach the gospel to our friend, loved ones. The Lion of Judah is returning. That's right. But before that time, we want as many people joining us in the kingdom as possibly can be there. So, and that just Amen. brings so much rejoicing to our heavenly Father and the angels in heaven, every single soul. You know, that's that comes, right. It's just, uh, you know, I think we just need to be out there taking advantage of every opportunity the Holy Spirit leads us into. That's right. I hope that you've been encouraged, informed and encouraged as you listen to these several broadcasts. If you missed them, go back to calvaryfountain.com. There you can listen to all the prior broadcasts, share them with your friends and family. Get the word out. Be encouraged. Be a student of God's holy word. And if you're looking for a fellowship to study God's word together with others, Come and check us out on a Sunday morning. We have worship services at 8 and 10 a.m. And again, you can learn more at calvaryfountain.com. God bless you, my friends, and thank you so much for listening to Engage in Truth. Take care.